Okay. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you all for being here. Um, I am here with the Marissa Price. Um, we're here for a conversation. Yes, the Marissa Price. And um, <laughs> yeah, so welcome. Welcome, everybody. Um, Marissa, if you would like, please introduce yourself. Let us know who you are, what you're about, all the things you want to share. Please. Yeah. Um, yes, I am Marissa Price. I am, let's see, healer, educator, entrepreneur, actually helping other Black women uh, become digital entrepreneurs, start and grow their businesses with my business, Free Black Woman Virtual Solutions. Um, I do have a YouTube channel um, that I've been pretty active on as of late, um, thanks to inspiration from the garden, um, your community. Um, and yeah, I think that's, I think that's my intro. <laughs> yeah, that's, a good intro. <laughs> that's a good intro. I love that. Okay, so for all of you who don't know, Marissa is a friend to this channel. Um, and I will be sharing her channel as well in the chat. So you all please go over and subscribe. Um, and I do want to, I do have questions prepared, but I do kind of want to jump into this. Hi, Deshaun Burns. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Um, I do want to ask a question because you recently released a video called, um, you're okay with not being called professional. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I do want to know what was the inspiration behind that? Because I think mm -hmm. that what you talk about in the video I'll let people watch it because I think it's really good. But I think what you talk about in the video, a lot of us have struggled with like this idea of being professional, being seen as professional, what that looks like, how you have to show up, all these kinds of things. So what inspired that you to make that video? Um, so I am I have exited actually um, another job that has been pretty toxic um, to my spirit. Again, um, if you all have watched any of my videos, you know that I recently also exited a job earlier this year that was toxic. Um, but one of the, I guess, insults that was thrown at me in exiting this, the one that I just recently exited was I was unprofessional. Um, I was disrespectful, um, for telling someone to give me what they promised me, uh, give me what they owed me. So I kind of was like exploring that, like, what are the roots of that? Why is that such an insult that is thrown specifically at black women in the workplace often? when we raise legitimate concerns, it's almost like gaslighting us, right? Like questioning why we even feel this way, even though we have every right to feel this way based on the circumstances. So I was kind of playing around with that idea in my head, like why, what is the root of that? And why does it sting so much? Or why is the intent to sting so much and kind of break your self-confidence? No, I, I appreciate that. Cause I, I think when I think of the term unprofessional, there's a there's a look right like there's a look to professional professionalism and yes. it's a very like thin very limited space mm -hmm. <laughs> to really be yourself yeah. right to to um express yourself in ways that like we talk about like code switching for example like this mm -hmm. going in between yourself and who you have to portray yourself to be in a setting and usually the professional setting um yeah. is really catered towards one specific kind of person right mm -hmm. like there's, there's no real room um to be human yeah. and in you seeking okay let's go let's go all the way back let's go all the way back so <laughs> so you left an initial toxic job right mm -hmm. and this was yeah. this was something that obviously like you were in uh, corporate america so to speak like mm -hmm. this yeah this professional place how was that for you when you first came in versus like when you left like what was your dream when you entered and, and how was your soul when you left? <laughs> oh wow um when i first entered so i was under the impression and i was told from everyone based on like the the messaging that I could be myself. So I entered into that being myself. I was like, oh, finally, I can kind of like take the mask off and just like 
put my ideas out there, there was also a racial equity focus where I was working, or so I was told when I started. Um, so I was I was sharing everything, like from my background in African American studies, uh, mixed with finance. So I was sharing knowledge. I was joining all of these things and putting my ideas out there. Um, and then it started to go awry when some of the, the ways I was being treated were not aligning with the racial equity mission that I was told. Um, so that was disheartening, especially working on an issue as large as like the racial wealth gap in the US and then being not adequately paid for the work that I was doing, um, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And it sent me ultimately into like experiencing post-diagnosis feelings of depression um, because everyone was telling me and making me feel like I was raising an issue that I, sh <laughs> that I shouldn't be raising. I'm like, I'm working on the, <laughs> I'm working on an issue, like close the racial wealth gap and you're not adequately paying me as a black woman in this position. Like, no, that's an issue. Um, but it was through everyone telling me that I shouldn't be upset about something that I knew clearly I was feeling upset about um, that kind of led to that place of feeling stuck um, and just feeling kind of not powerful. Right. Like I wasn't I was hearing all these messages that were like contradicting how I was feeling. So that was difficult. Um, but towards the end, the end was hard. The end was hard. Um, I actually took a break in between. So I took um, 11 weeks off using the FMLA Act um, and actually traveled outside of the country for the first time with my husband um, during that. And that was kind of life changing. Shout out to Exodus Summit for giving me the tools and uh, Rashida Dow's group from Burnout to Bliss. Um, and that really showed me that what I was experiencing and how people were treating me was not normal. Like it was normal for being in the US and being in a corporate space, but having other people not treat me like that and actually respect me, I was like, okay, something, clearly it's not me. That kind of provided me with that proof. Um, so I actually ended up going back into that job um, because my claim for paid leave for the depression that I had been diagnosed with was denied. Um, so I was in credit card debt. Um, so I had to go back work until I had money saved up um, to leave, finally. Um, but the end was hard. The end was really hard. I was experiencing really severe symptoms of mistreatment. Um, that is often diagnosed as depression, right? Because that's another thing that I, I struggle with, like the individualizing of what we experience in these systems into like clinical um, diagnoses. So yeah, it was tough. It was really tough, but eventually I made it out. I love that you made it out. And and I think yeah. what, you, what you said about how you were made to feel like what you're experiencing was normal, right? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's like the dangerous part of like being isolated mm -hmm. in that way. Like when you don't have connections with other people showing you like, actually, this is trash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> actually, yes. Like, and what's awful is it's like the standard is normalized and the standard is trash. Like the standard, mm -hmm. especially you're, you're one person going against such a big problem. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're one person yeah. when you don't have allies within the place that you're working in, mm -hmm. like it's, it almost feels like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. I've heard some of your stories from working um, in that field. And I guess I was wondering at what point do you think 
Oh, is my volume low? I'm sorry. Can y'all hear me? Is this better? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that better? Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just hold the mic. Let me just hold on one second. <laughs> Let me hold on one second. I feel like I'm on my um, Oprah Winfrey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Lavendula. I appreciate that. Oh, oh no, I hope it's yeah. I hope it's okay now. Is that better? Mm -hmm. Okay, thank yeah. you. Okay, thank y'all. I appreciate y'all. Okay, so when you're saying that you're working in an environment where you're actually brought on to like fix problems, right? That people mm -hmm. are telling you that there is no problem. Like someone just said in the chat, a shout out to mm -hmm. Donna Dunlap. She says, um, how could you be empowered to help mm -hmm. others when they wanted yeah. to strip you of your power to even advocate for yourself, mm -hmm. right? And that yeah. kind of shows the hypocrisy in mm -hmm. a lot of these places or honestly it mm -hmm. shows how they kind of used you for like market mark like yes. marketing yeah <laughs> you know what i mean as it's opposed true. to yeah. right like it's like it's almost like a shell position like it's like yeah we mm -hmm. have a person here but there's no power here because mm -hmm. you're not willing to get over that power like at what point were you like okay this is it i have to go like no mas i gotta get Ooh. out of here oh that's a good question um i think it's I think it was me being in Dr. Kamani's um, Lifting As We Climb consulting um, in her chat every time she did a live and I would hear other Black women share their experiences. And I'm like, okay, this sounds eerily similar to what I'm going through. Like, it's it's weird. <laughs> the pattern um, that we experience in these workplaces is just cut and paste. Like, it's really, really strange. Um, so it was a process of being in the chats, um, connecting with other people, hearing other people's stories and being able to connect it to what I was going through. Um, and also being in the garden and actually having people see me for what I can bring, um, and not having to give in, convince people, um, of my worth all the time. Um, that was helpful. Um, yeah, I think those were, those were the two pivotal things. And then also before I left, I did have to, or I volunteered, which was another thing. I kept volunteering for stuff. I'm like, okay. I tried to establish boundaries and then, you know, I think it, it, it has to do with like childhood trauma. I know now, but I volunteered to sit on an interview panel. Um, and there was an amazing, wonderful, talented black woman. Um, and I was the only black person on the interview panel. And I felt like I had to lie about the stuff that actually happened at the workplace. And that really, really hurt me physically. Mm -hmm. That's why I knew I had to go. That, yeah, that's deep. That's, mm -hmm. because even when you're talking about like lying or telling half truths or only saying what you think is appropriate, like folding yourself in half to fit somebody else's understanding or um, idea of what is acceptable and what's not, Mm -hmm. how harmful that really is long term to have to keep lying like when you're showing up to places that aren't like in alignment showing up to places that literally cut you in half every day like you're harming it's self-harm like you're harming mm -hmm. yourself to keep walking into um walking to these spaces and shout out to hey let's talk about it with Mara. <laughs> community is important right community will hold Very. a mirror to your situation mm -hmm. when yes. you can't see it yourself right mm, that's true it is like, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's why I think like even you sharing your story is important because I think even though our positions may be all different, I feel like all of us who have worked in that kind of arena, like we know what that feels like. We know what it feels like to like kind of half be yourself. And mm -hmm. it's like you become, mm, you become their idea of who you should be, mm. right? You become yeah. their idea and you're cosplaying for like eight mm -hmm. plus hours or however long, <laughs> you know, yes. 10 for, for some folks, like 
you, you begin to like lose touch of yourself. Like I know that's how I felt before. Like, mm-hmm. did you feel like in all of that you lost part of yourself or oh, lost yeah. touch with yourself? Okay. Yes, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because I was, I I wound up shrinking all the time. And I'm like, I had come into the job being like, so like, I'm just about to put all my ideas out there. And like, finally, I can be somewhere that my ideas are accepted, they're valued, like people value my perspective. And that also speaks to kind of the pet to threat thing that Black women experience often um, a uh, phenomenon, I guess, um, that we experience in the workplace. But it was coined by Dr. Keisha Thomas and two other Black women professors. Um, I don't have their names at this moment. But yes, what we experience is kind of the love bombing aspect um, of people telling us how great we are, telling us they want our contributions, and then it switches up. And then you kind of wonder, did I do something wrong? Because it's confusing. It's confusing to make such a like sharp transition from being, from feeling at least like you're being valued from what you contri- for what you contribute, um, for what you bring. And then people pointing out stuff that you did wrong, talking about other people behind their back, um, isolating you. It's really, it's really confusing. So yeah, I, d- I definitely feel like I lost myself um, and I'm kind of in the process of rediscovering who I am, kind of getting back to the things that bring me joy, the things I put down because life felt very, very heavy. Um, I was in that job and also the pandemic was happening at the same time. So it was, um, it was a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Um, I do. Um, shout out to y'all for being here. Thank you for being here. Um, hey, Pandandex. Hello. Um, Journey to Kingdom Woman says, I love this. Yes. Keegan keeps, keep going, excuse me, says, and you're not meeting your own emotional needs, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're worried That's about true. the emotional needs of other people. Um, and Journey to Kingdom Woman says, OMG, I never thought about love bombing in the work in the workplace. That's so true. And me neither. Mm-hmm. When we hear about love bombing, we think about like usually romantic relationships or maybe friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't really think about jobs. And a lot of these mm-hmm. a lot of these jobs that we have are abusive. Like yes. they, they literally they display. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. They display signs of abuse. Yeah. Right. And so we're almost taught to, to again to normalize what is toxic, what is harmful. And so yeah. that keeps us quiet. It keeps us quiet. It keeps us going along with whatever they say to go with. And I think like what you're talking about earlier about professionalism, right? Is it professional mm-hmm. to raise your hand and push back against something? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, is yeah. it really? Is there really mm-hmm. room for anything but compliance, but conformity? Ooh, and if you come yeah. out of that thing, it's like, oh, now you're the black sheep. And so while they might not necessarily fire you, they might bully you or make you feel like trash every single day, right? Yes. <laughs> These are signs of like, Abuse, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. For a mm-hmm. paycheck, for a paycheck. Yes, yeah. And we yeah. get into like the cycle where we feel like we, first of all, don't have the power to leave because um, we kind of become trauma bonded to workplaces as well. Um, and it's like all of these things from childhood often come come back up, right? When we enter into toxic workplaces, um, we feel stuck, we feel like we can't leave. Um, we're intentionally isolated. We're um, gaslighted often when we do raise concerns. And yeah, that's a a weapon that is used. You're unprofessional. It's like if I speak up, I'm unprofessional. Okay, I guess I'm unprofessional. I'll take it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm just, 
you know, it's like if you're anything but a robot, if you're anything but someone going along with whatever they say, you yeah. are unprofessional. You're a problem. And, and I do want to talk about that, like the childhood. And of course, you, can, you don't have to share what you don't want to share. But when you're, mm-hmm. when you're talking about childhood trauma, I know even for myself, like there is there are people pleasing tendencies that I have. There is like mm-hmm. um, worrying about like, oh, I hope, you know. I hope that I, I hope that I said the right thing, like overthinking everything, you yes. know, worrying about misspeaking and all that stuff yes. is wrapped up in my childhood trauma, like my inability to be human. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering, like, for you, did you see anything when you talk about childhood trauma that you want to talk about? Were mm-hmm. there any things that you're like, oh, wow, this reminds me actually of this or this is reflective of this thing that happened before? Hmm. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think there were times when I didn't feel heard. There were times when I raised concerns as a child and they weren't taken seriously. Um, and then I was told that I had that I was the problem. So I was I entered right back into that same dynamic in this workplace. And I think the childhood that I had it off often made me kind of have to engage in kind of a fairy tale thinking in order to get through it. Um, and I've noticed as I've been entering into workplaces, I, I don't want to say that's a weakness or a spot, but it's like an area that I have to be cognizant of, um, not just automatically believing someone what they say at face value, kind of doing research, asking them questions, probing deeper, because people will me- misrepresent what they do all the time. Um, and that was a tough, tough lesson to learn. I'm still learning. Um, but yeah, I think those links of Gas self gaslighting. I experienced that um, as a child and also in the workplace. Um, but those those links are strong. They really are. And it's something about the workplace. I think it's tied to like the fear of money, um, fear of lack of money, fear of what will happen if you don't have money. Um, that makes it so strong that we feel like we can't leave. It's really yeah. Yeah, I, I resonate with that, that especially like the, I have I have trauma around money, like the lack of Me money, too. the yes, yeah. the it being a scarce thing or a thing we don't talk about or a thing that is um, that people get upset about when, we, when you bring up. I remember asking my parents for like $15 to go to like, you know, a, a, what do you call it, a field trip with the, with the school. Like, hey, can yeah. I have $15? And you're a kid. You're like, money is, you know, abundant. It's everywhere until... Yeah. I'm asking for that $15 and my parents are like losing their minds. Like it's going to break the bank. And I had no real understanding of money or like, I know my parents went to, went to work and came back, you know, and mm-hmm. bought stuff for the house, yeah. but I didn't really understand it. And so I think my, the fear that I had or, or the, uh, the trauma that I had around money and it being a scarce thing carries over into my life now. Like, I'm always trying to anticipate, like, am I going to have enough for X, Y, and Z? Is it okay if I spend this? Am I safe if I spend this thing? Um, mm-hmm. And even with the jobs, right? Like, I have to have this job or else I'm going to lose everything. Like, you know, just going yeah. to, like, the worst case scenario. Um, mm-hmm. And then even asking for a raise or asking for what I want. Yeah. I'm afraid of asking for more money to get paid for what I want to do, whether it's at a job or if I'm freelancing. Um, even as a photographer, that's one of the reasons why I had to quit photography was because one, I was working really hard, but not really getting paid for the work that I was doing. And I was afraid to ask for more money. And then when I did, people got upset. Like people were like <laughs> very cruel and mean to me. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> you know mm. I mean? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so like, mm. 
And so when you're talking about like the trauma coming up in jobs, it makes sense to me. Like it makes sense to me because you're in this, you're in a job where you're around authority, right? These mm-hmm. authority figures who are basically telling you what you can and cannot do, who you are, right? Like even down to like your title and your list of duties and things like this. And I don't know, I, mm-hmm. on one hand, like I am, I'm grateful for the experiences that I had in the workplace, but at the same time, I am, I am not <laughs> because mm-hmm. of the things that I had to endure just to get a paycheck. Yeah. And, and, and we're also taught to take more abuse than we probably should because you should be so grateful for this little 25 an hour or whatever the heck they're paying you. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this is, you have to, you have to endure abuse in order to get paid, you know? Yes. Or in order to be seen as good. Mm-hmm. Anywho, but, Absolutely. but yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to see what, uh, what the chat is talking about. Hey, yeah. y'all. Hey, y'all. And thank you again for letting me know that my volume was low. I apologize. And thank you. Thank you. Um, let's see. Let's see. A villainous crone. Hello. Yes, jobs dangle the carrot of a raise mm-hmm. or a higher position yeah. over your head to hold you there in toxicity. Yes. Yes. Let's see. Keegan, keep going. All from conditions placed on us in childhood, endless cycles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, introvert in Wonderland. I love that name. Yes. <laughs> yep. Definitely feels like a trap when they invite you in. As soon as you express yourself, you're ostracized. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. <laughs> Hi, Nia X. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Intel says, I'm about to clock out and tune in. Welcome. Have it exactly <laughs> that you're here <laughs> at the right time. Pandandex says, these jobs are abusive. The environments that can be created inside of these work environments be playing out mm-hmm. like prison guards yeah. versus prisoner experiments. Ooh. That's a good one. Do you have anything to yes. say for that one? Okay. I was, that kind of just reminded me of like the triangulation that exists often. Um, Because I experienced that a little bit too. Um, Someone else trying to pit me against someone else, specifically like another Black person. I'm like, first of all, there's very few of us here. I'm not, I will never, ever do that. Um, No, your tactic is not going to work. And I saw right through it. So yes, these are tactics of manipulation and abuse that we experience in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And that's that's awful because... We were talking yesterday about, um, we were talking about a lot, but we were talking yesterday about this, uh, I know competition came up, this idea of like women competing against each other mm-hmm. yeah. usually is centered around men in some way. And, I, and I'm saying this to say like patriarchy specifically, right? The way that yeah. we have designed and set up things in position where it's like, oh, there can only be one. There can only be one mm-hmm. good black person. Like if there's a few black people there, we have to be the best with each other. But mm-hmm. no one's really asking the question like, why are there so few positions mm-hmm. that we are occupying, yep. right? Like that's exactly. the question we should be asking. Mm-hmm. Have you had any experience with black women specifically on your job wanting to compete with you or even maybe honestly feeling like you had to compete with other people? Hmm, that's a good question. Nothing, nothing is coming to mind. I have, in college, I did have a few experiences of kind of, feeling like I was being sabotaged by other black women. But in, in terms of like competition, I don't think that I have experienced that. And if anyone tried that, I always stopped it immediately because I'm like, I'm not playing into that. Competition has never felt natural to me all throughout my life. And everyone has tried to push me to compete. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have any need to compete. We're both in our, <laughs> we both have amazing qualities. Why am I competing? No. I love that. 
And yes, same. Um, as as someone who grew up playing a lot of sports, um, I did compete and I had to compete <laughs> because that's what we're here for, right? Like, but I would play for fun, right? Either way. Um, but I never took that mentality into professional settings, school settings, because I just thought it was silly and it's exhausting. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. what are we really competing for? Yeah. <laughs> like, when we really break it down, like, we're competing probably to be in a position or a place that is that a person is being exploited because the higher you go go up, depending on where you work, the higher you go up, the more responsibility is required of you. And you're still probably still being underpaid for that thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. they make you think that the goal and the uh, trophy is the winning, but they don't tell you all the things that come along with that winning. And also like when you're stepping on other people that other people have to suffer in order for you to win, which is like, I just Mm -hmm. never understood that concept. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, (laughs) I don't get it. So I, so I understand and I get the not wanting to compete part, like the, like Mm -hmm. we can all win. Yes. We can all win. And if we can't, we need to ask questions about why, why we can't all Mm -hmm. win. If you're, if you're here to serve and I'm here to serve at your job, why -hmm. are we all competing against each other? That's distracting from the, from the, point of the job right Mm -hmm. but I do want to I do want to go back um and ask you beyond like your professional journey um I do want to ask like what did you dream of as a child like when you were a child what did you dream of what did you imagine oh wow um I dreamed of fashion design a lot that's something that I've had picked back up um but I would always draw like dresses and I was obsessed with Project Runway I think that was my show so, and I did used to sew. I don't sew anymore. Um, but yeah, I was obsessed with like fashion design, um, cash registers. Cash registers have always had my heart. <laughs> um, just like I had my own store. Like I said, I had my own store um, in my basement um, where I would sell like my grandparents' office supplies to um, invisible customers. So yeah, that was my thing as a child. Um, and that's probably what led me into like banking, money, um, financial education. Because I always loved that. I always loved like entrepreneurship um, and growing up, seeing my grandparents be entrepreneurs um, had a big effect on me. Um, and I've seen kind of the freedom that exists with entrepreneurship, not saying that it's easy at all. Um, but there is a certain level of time freedom and location freedom that you are able to access as an entrepreneur that you're just not in a lot of these jobs because they try to control us so tightly. Um, but yeah, cash registers and fashion design. <laughs> That's what I dreamed about. That is so cute to me. Um, <laughs> and I also I also resonate with the cash register thing. I don't know what mm-hmm. it was, but. Okay, you too? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and when I was younger, like I was obsessed with like, um, and I still am, with the with papers and pens and all the different oh, yeah, things. Me too. Yeah, gel like pens. I love gel pens. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Like office supplies. And I, I'm sure I'm pretty sure I got that from my mom, like seeing her work. Like she had a typewriter at the time. This mm-hmm. was like early 90s, but she had a typewriter at the time. And I thought I would look to her and be like, yo, this is the example of a professional woman. Like this is what, even mm-hmm. though I had my own dreams, I'm like, oh, this is what I'm going to turn out to be. Low key did not know though that my mom was stressed out at her job, that she was like, enduring mm-hmm. a lot of the bullying and stuff that I hear you and Dr. Kimani and other people talk about at their jobs. Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking my mother is so successful and happy and she's like flourishing. And she was, she was a boss at the time. She was somebody's manager, mm-hmm. um, but she was bullied and blackballed mm-hmm. and, and abused. And I remember her coming home from work hours, like 
it's dark mm-hmm. outside when she leaves. It's dark when she comes back. I'm um, just her being tired. And I think at some level, I thought that that was normal, right? Like th- mm-hmm. this is what working your job looks like. And I, th- and, and I think that kind of, yeah, not to bring it back here, but I think that kind of also, mm-hmm. oh, well, my mom endured this. She went through this much pain. So I felt bad about leaving jobs. So I'm a serial quitter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I will, <laughs> I will quit a job. Okay. Like yeah. there's, there's no paycheck you can do to hold me here. Um, mm. I've had working retail, McDonald's, serving, um, working at hospitals, all these different places. I am very quick to be like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be here anymore. It's not happy. I don't like being sad. Mm -hmm. And so with my mom, because obviously like my mother's from a different time, a different mindset, like you stay at this good job, you get paid and you leave. And I, and I remember just sitting there like, why do I have to sit here and suffer for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like why? And I think Mm -hmm. that was my, my foot into entrepreneurship. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, so Alicia, if you know you're going to quit everything, we got to figure out a plan. Because <laughs> bills are still due, right? Like yeah. you still got to eat all these different things. And it was then that my world was open to entrepreneurship. Like, oh, so you don't have to go to a job and clock in every day to to like get paid. Like you can create your own thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think even back then when I was younger, I saw entrepreneurship, but it wasn't labeled as entrepreneurship, right? Like mm-hmm. within black communities, Mm-hmm. I know. Shout out mm-hmm. to the people selling the the um the bootleg CDs and DVDs out the trunk of their car. Mm-hmm. I know it's illegal, but like that is entrepreneurship. That is still like you're mm-hmm. selling something. Um, yeah, yeah, like selling fish mm-hmm. dinners or you know the pies on the corner. Yes. Like all of that is entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's almost like we were not given the language mm-hmm. because whatever we were doing wasn't seen as legitimate. Right. Oh, it's like this. Yes. Like, oh, you can't do that's not entrepreneurship unless you have X, Y and Z and this and this and this. Yes. It's not entrepreneurship. It doesn't count. So for you, like what was your what was your introduction into entrepreneurship? Like at what point were you like, oh, I actually I have the goods to be able to create oh. something for myself. <laughs> I'm you still got <laughs> you got the goods. <laughs> oh, man, I'm still in the process of recognizing that yeah, and letting that yeah. sink in for myself. Um, but yeah, my introduction was watching my grandparents. Um, they had their own cleaning business. Um, so I cleaned houses with them during the summers. Um, and as a child and seeing the level of freedom that it afforded them to be able to like my grandpa to go on field trips with me and stuff like that, stuff that wouldn't necessarily be possible if you were at a a nine to five where they wanted to control your movement all the time. Um, so that kind of opened my eyes to entrepreneurship to start with. And then, when I started college, I was an entrepreneurship major um, because that has always been my love. Um, but seeing the other people in my class, seeing and hearing that they're going to start their businesses with their dad's money after they graduate, I'm like, okay, now this is not me. So clearly I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur. Like you said, it's like, <laughs> if you don't have this, this, and this, then you're not an entrepreneur. So I changed my major to finance. Um and thought that I couldn't do entrepreneurship and just kind of tried to force myself into all these corporate roles um, throughout my 20s, really. And it's only over the past year that I've really come back to that and tried entrepreneurship in a way that feels good to me, um, doing online entrepreneurship, doing being a virtual assistant, um, transitioning to being an online business manager um, for Black women entrepreneurs, Um, in helping other Black women, giving resources that I've learned over the past year 
so that other black women want to take this journey um, into digital entrepreneurship because there are so many opportunities and ways that you can go online, um, helping, you know, providing resources and stuff that I've learned. Okay, that's, first of all, there's so many things there, but that's, <laughs> that's the no, for, it's good, it's good. Like, that's such a beautiful thing because when I was in, when well, I elementary school, when I was in high school, I had a choir teacher who basically said, whatever you learn, you bring back to your community and give mm -hmm. it to me, right? Yes. Like, whatever, you go out there, you, you get the degree, you go get the business, the job or whatever, but you come back and you teach mm -hmm. and you share yes. and you empower other people to do the same. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, what I've seen sometimes is that people go out and go get for themselves, but forget the people that they left behind, so to speak, the people that are kind mm -hmm. of looking up to them. Um, yeah. And I want to know, like, how how you are taking what you've learned and bringing it back to the community. Like you talk about your your YouTube channel, which I suggest everybody again, please go subscribe. I'm going to share it again. <laughs> um, but like what services and things like that do you offer people so that they can actually reap the benefits of what you've learned on your journey? Hmm. So I just started um, a community for aspiring and current Black women digital entrepreneurs called um, Free Black Woman Virtual Business Community. Um, so that has been great. We've actually already talked about social media marketing in there and just been sharing our progress and our dreams and our hopes for pivoting into entrepreneurship or growing our businesses um, in different tools that exist out there. So I love technical tools. I love learning a tool like ConvertKit, like email marketing, um, project management. I love delving into new tools. Um, and I am a virtual assistant trained by Digital Nomad Kit. Um, so I went through their training program. So I'm a certified virtual assistant. So I do have an understanding of these tools. And so I'm teaching how to use the tools basically in this community. Um, and we're also sharing more like in-depth things about entrepreneurship as Black women, because as someone who has studied um, the path to entrepreneurship that many Black women take, it's often, we're often leaving toxic jobs and kind of being forced into entrepreneurship, sometimes before we're ready um, to escape these hostile environments. Um, so there is healing that we often need to do, which is another one of my passions, um, providing healing, providing self-reflection, um, incorporating that into the community too, because that's an aspect that I feel like is overlooked in people specifically Black women pivot to entrepreneurship. There's a lot of pain often that we're dealing with while trying to do something as stressful as starting a business. So hope, hoping to provide like community support, um, an uplifting environment, judgment-free, so that we can share our experiences as we grow digital businesses and follow our passions. I love that. I love that. Especially when you're saying like no judgment, because there is a lot of judgment we place on ourselves mm -hmm. when we hear the word entrepreneurship. Like it's just yes. so big. <laughs> you know, it's like, where, yes. do I even, where do I even begin? So I love it's that overwhelming. you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It's really overwhelming. And I love that you're like, we're going to journey through this together. And what I also love is that you didn't wait until, I know a lot of people wait until like they feel like, oh, I've done enough. I've accomplished enough, mm -hmm. like, you know, to yeah. start the thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that you're starting it like, we're in this together like we're we're sharing space together um i mm -hmm. think that that's i think that's another aspect of it looking uh or feeling overwhelming and uh daunting because it's like oh i'm looking at this person way up here right mm -hmm. and you don't get it you don't yes. see it yeah mm -hmm. so i love that yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and shout out to the garden. I always shout out the garden for, you know, your advice on telling us to just start where we are. Start with what we have, because it's so true what you say, like the longer that ideas come to you, the longer you let them sit there and you think about them, you try to make them perfect. It's like, it gets heavy. And you're so right about that. So I'm like, let me just try this. And I'm also in that season of kind of experimenting with stuff that I'm passionate about, something that I feel will be of value to people and just putting it out there and see what happens. Because I think the fear that we generate often that it's going to be a failure, that people are going to like make fun of us or something that keeps us stuck. Um, when really, if we tap into our why of why we're doing this, that makes these things much, you know, easier to think about and less, less pressure on you to have everything perfect because no one's expecting you to be perfect. When I realized that truth that like no one's expecting you to be perfect, mm -hmm. it took so much weight off of me. And, I, yeah. and again, I think it goes back to that professional thing, right? Like mm -hmm. I come in space and I let you know right now, I am not an expert. Mm -hmm. I don't know everything, right? I'm taking that pressure off of myself so that when people see me, there's no, I hope there's no like, oh, you know, she has to live up to this expectation because I'm not setting right. the bar for myself so high. <laughs> it's like, right. I'm human. Mm -hmm. I'm human just like you. I'm figuring this stuff out along just like you. Um, and that feels good to me to be able to be all of myself and not who I think I have to pretend to be, to be seen as someone worthy enough to listen to. And, and yes. I love, and thank you again for shouting out the garden. We'll be, you know, we'll be there <laughs> soon. But like this, this, I love coming into spaces where we're seeing each other eye to eye. Like when I, when I found myself yeah. trying to be professional or like how other people were saying, this is how you have to lead a, a group and this is how you have to do the thing. It felt like work to mm -hmm. me. Like it felt like, yeah, I had to, I had to act in a mm -hmm. way. Like I had to be professional. And when I realized like, actually, what does professional actually mean? Doing something in exchange for money, right? Like being mm -hmm. a professional photographer, for example, you make money doing it. And mm -hmm. so does that mean that my photography, for example, has to look like everybody else's? No. Does it mean mm -hmm. that my group has to be led by everybody like everybody else's? No, but I wish that we were told that entrepreneurship can look like what you're talking about, exactly what you want it to look like, what you want mm -hmm. it to feel like. Absolutely. Like it's not a one size fit all. It's not. No. No. Yeah. no. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your business is called Free Black Woman, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because I had a I had a photo project with that same title and the goal was to like showcase women. Mm -hmm. being free and being all of themselves because we get this you know we get all these labels the angry black woman the bitter black woman blah 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 right all these different things that we're known as but I mm -hmm. want black women to be able to define themselves for themselves right and so I want to ask you what does freedom mean to you what does it mean to be free to you oh wow um what does freedom mean to me um I think the ability to experiment and play um, not be in environments where you're harmed and feel like you don't have any choices. I think um, being aware of the options that you have at every turn in life, at every stage in life is very important in feeling free and feeling like if something isn't working, you can pivot. It's trusting in yourself and your ability to pivot um, and trusting in what you're feeling. People may try to gaslight you, um, but I always advocate for writing it down, keeping a record of how you're feeling, checking in with your body is very important um, to resist those feelings of gaslighting so that it doesn't turn into self-gaslighting, which is where a lot of the danger comes in when we start to deny how we're feeling to ourselves. 
Um, so yeah. I love that. I love that a lot. Um, did I answer your you, question? Yes. yes. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you did for sure. You did for sure. Okay. Um, I also want to share, oh, Modern Doll shared, freedom is moving forward in love right now for me. I love that. Mm. Moving forward in love. And I, and I love that you were saying like the ability to have options, right? Yes. Like options. When you think of freedom, when you think of the opposite of freedom, it's, it's really like being bound. It's being bound it and like, I have to be, I have to be here. I have to stay here. Even if those um, binds are in our mind, right? Or systemic yeah. or whatever, like there's a lack of being able to move forward. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I do want to ask you, what does it look like for you to become a free black woman? Like what has mm -hmm. that journey looked like for you or how is it looking right now? Mm -hmm. mm. I think the first thing was me leaving Finally, um, a job that was not serving me, a job that was actually harming me, uh, where I was not being adequately compensated and feeling like I had to stay because someone was doing me a favor. This kind of tapping into the skills and abilities that I have and realizing that those will transfer anywhere that I go. If I want to go to another workplace, if I want to start my own thing, if I want to help other people, assist them, those skills that I have are permanently in me because I have learned them and no one else needs to validate my skills but me. Um, that has been very important um, on my freedom journey. Also traveling outside of the US. Um, I just, like I said, I just started last year. That was my first time out of the US um, at 28. So having the ability to travel, um, realizing that it's not inaccessible because that was a block for me a lot. And just being in communities, being in Exodus Summit, being in From Burnout to Bliss, I realized that it is accessible. Because um, a lot of the times we're told that it's too expensive, that all of these things, it's like, it's actually cheaper to live outside the US in many countries, depending on which country that you travel to or move to. Um, and also you have the benefit of things like student loans. Like I know there, Adelia Borshade talks about it on her channel. Um, but there is a thing, I forgot, is it called the foreign earned income something exemption um, for student loans if you live outside of the US um, for a year? It helps you reduce your student loan payment if you're enrolled in the income based student loan repayment program. So that's another thing that I will be looking into um, now living outside the US. Um, but yeah, it's really tapping into my abilities, leaning into my passions, and realizing that I was always enough. Realizing I was always enough, mm -hmm. that part. Yeah, yeah. I, I think America, specifically the West, does a good job of making people feel like who they are inherently is wrong. Mm -hmm. That like you, who you are alone by yourself is wrong. And that, and I mean, they've done a good job of harming people, obviously, who choose to be by themselves. Um, it's scary to be by themselves. Um, yes, but when you're when you're talking about skills and assets that you have, right? Like they're not owned by your employer. They're not owned by no. your school. They're not owned by your country, right? They're inherently yours. Mm -hmm. but, but a lot of these places make it feel like, oh, again, like an abusive relationship. Like, oh, yes. if you leave me, you'll lose everything. You, you can only shine Ooh. here. You can only thrive here. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's said blatantly or if it's said through actions or, you know, just through attitudes, 
I think once you realize like what you're talking about, like, no, I am my own. I am my own. Like my genius is my own. Like this, these places didn't necessarily make me and they don't get to keep me, keep me Mm -hmm. bound in this cage because I benefit them. Like I can use those skills for myself and for the people that I want to serve too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes, so. absolutely. And I'll say that joining um, Digital Nomad Kit, which is the virtual assistant program I went through, um, and seeing everyone like come out of these, sometimes these huge roles, taking the skills that they have and building businesses in such a short period of time, I was like, this is doable. That opened up like a whole new world to me um, as someone who was taught that entrepreneurship has to look a certain way. Um, it has to be structured in a certain way. It has to feel heavy. It's like, no, these folks are just leaving from their positions, taking the skills that they've gained over the course of their professional careers and working with who they want to anywhere around the world. I'm like, that really opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, now how can I share this information with other black women? Because this is something we need to get on. (laughs) Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Like, for real. I, I do want to ask you when it comes to freedom, what has freedom cost you? Like what has it cost you to become or as you are becoming free, what has it cost you so far? Oh, wow. Um, I think it's cost me like some of my, the identity that I used to hold on so tightly to. Um, I used to cling on to, like you said, like education, um, titles, um, being in banking, like titles are very important. The letters behind your name, like I had to let all that go and realize that that's not me. I had to be honest with myself. So I almost had to like let go of like a false sense of self um, in a sense to be free. Um, Let go of like societal expectations of what my life should look like. I was in the process of looking at houses in Charlotte before my husband and I decided to move out of the U.S. And it was just impossible with the housing prices. And I was internalizing that shame of I did everything I was supposed to do. Um, I got into this job that's harming me to go on this path so that my life would look a certain type of way. Um, And now it's not working out because it's inaccessible. The bar was moved again. So I had to let go of some of the possibilities I thought that existed that unfortunately don't look the same for a lot of us coming, you know, in this age, in this generation. So it's kind of coming to that point of radical acceptance um, that things look different and it's okay. Cause I can still pivot and I still have all the skills and I still have all the passions. I'm the same person, even if I'm not in these institutions, if I don't have these things. So it's releasing a lot of that external validation that I was seeking before. That's yeah, that's a lot. I, in a good, like, it's good. Like it, mm-hmm. that's a lot in a good way. And and I love how you're talking about like letting go of this false sense of self, how yeah. in, in the West in the America, like in, in America specifically, who you are boils down to your job position. Like mm-hmm. yeah. how, like when people ask you, Oh, what do you do? Right. Like that's the first question that, or, you know, hello, how are you? And then they say, like, mm-hmm. okay, what do you do? <laughs> Right. And we're immediately brought to like this, this measurement of self, like, what Mm -hmm. can I say that makes me come across as someone who is valid, someone who Mm -hmm. is worthy of listening to or being understood or having conversation with even Um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of our relationships here are very transactional, right? It's like, we're asking people like, 
networking, for example, we're asking people like, oh, what do you do for a living? Like, let's exchange cards. Maybe we can collaborate on this thing. But it's like really not about like getting to know the person. The person yeah. is, is hiding mm-hmm. behind this wall of what they say is appropriate. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if, yeah. if I come into, if I say, what do you do for a living? And I say, I have fun. People are gonna look at you like <laughs> people are gonna look at you like you're crazy, you know. Yes. But seriously, mm-hmm. like, what if I could walk into a room and be like, "I have fun for a living." That, like, mm-hmm. I live. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. <laughs> and why isn't that legitimate? Mm-hmm. Um, so what? What did that? How did you mourn that? Like, how did you mourn you moving on from this definition of self? I, I don't. And again, I don't know if you have mourned mourned it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for myself, when you're talking about those dreams, those dreams that you had, I have had to make peace recently because I'm lo- living a different lifestyle that I might not have everything that I dreamed of as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. This, this, when you talk yeah. about buying a home, I don't mm-hmm. see it for me right now. I don't mm-hmm. understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Either. I don't understand. <laughs> like, and, and, I, and I have a dream of having a home and maybe yeah. the home will look different, right? But like, there's still a part of me that is mourning all the things that I wanted um, all mm-hmm. the things that I dreamed of having, I'm going to get this degree, yeah. get this job and be good for the rest of my life. And I'm like, oh, actually, yeah. LOL, that's not the case. So like, mm-hmm. what does that look like for you or feel like for you? Mm. Yeah, I think I'm still in that process. Um, there are up days and there are down days, I think, and realizing that my life looks completely different than I thought it would look. Um, I thought I was going to have all this by 30. It's like that's in a few months. I'm like, that's <laughs> probably not going to happen. So it's releasing, I think, releasing my grip on my expectations and embracing the flexibility in life. I think if we are, if we tap into that flexibility and adaptability that no, this didn't turn out how I thought it would, but maybe it's going to turn out even better. Um, And shout out to Yolanda, um, spiritual life coach, who I worked with, um, who worked with me (laughs) to help me get to this point because it was difficult. It was difficult. And I'm still in that process of releasing and mm-hmm. being okay with maybe other people looking at my life and being like, oh, you don't have, you don't have a house. You don't have, you just, okay. Like, yeah, but I feel better. Like I feel better. <laughs> and that's enough. I love that. I feel better. And that's enough. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about validation from the outside or getting other people's approval. It's about you actually feeling good in your own life, in your own skin, in yeah. your own body. Mm-hmm. I love that. As that. Using that as the marker instead of what other people say that we should do or what we shouldn't do. Um, yeah. and, and I also love that you're sharing that you're still grieving it, right? That, that it's, still, it's still real. Like, mourning that is the things that we thought we wanted, right? Mm-hmm. We don't really consider the work that comes with those things either. Like some of the things we want, yeah. like some of the things we want, we're not really honest about like what it takes to maintain, to get, um, to keep. We're, we're, we're focused on what it looks like Mm -hmm. and what it, what we think it feels like. Um, and what I realized about some of my dreams was that they weren't even mine. Mm -hmm. The dreams that I had were given to me like, Hey, this is what you want to do as opposed to asking, actually, what do you, what do you dream of? What is, what does that look like and feel like to you? Right. Yeah. And, and obviously I think that's on purpose. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. when I, I oh, think yeah. about the things that I've wanted, I'm like, actually, I don't even, I don't really want that. I want the op, or I want the uh, opulence that comes along with it, or I want the approval of other people 
right that comes along mm-hmm. with it I think about my mother yeah. I think about pleasing her and like oh god yeah. like she's had a time with me because mm-hmm. <laughs> because of the honestly like the generational difference is is a big oh, yeah. deal um right because it's like the to be fair she's using what information she has about her life and trying to help yeah. me and it's like it's not the same it's not the same time that's not the place no <laughs> you know and it's almost like she's looking on helplessly like I'm just trying to get you good, right? And yeah. I think for her, good looks like, oh, living in a house and doing these things and being mm-hmm. successful in her definition. And for me, like you're saying, success for me is like joy and happiness and peace, whatever that looks like, right. wherever I am. Yeah. Um, it looks like being able to be there for my family. Um, we've, we've been experiencing a lot of like family issues lately. And I love that I'm able to be there with them and be there for them. And I know that if I had the things that I wanted, I, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to show up. And for me, that means more to me than having that stuff. And do I ever think about having this stuff and get envious? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, okay, that'd be cute. But would I be happy? Would mm-hmm. I be content? And am I willing yeah. to sacrifice my joy, my peace, all the things that I love for these things? Mm-hmm. And the answer usually is like, nah, it's, it's not yeah. that serious. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of the things, like even like talking about buying a house, hearing from other people who have bought houses, and it's like, it's not what it's cut out to be. So it's like we're attached to the image of what, like the feeling that we want from getting this thing and the image that we have in our minds. But actually, when we get it and the people who do have it, they're like, no, it's not what you think it is. Mm -hmm. That part, that part. Um, Yes, I do want to ask you, talking about freedom, um, in this season, like when we're talking about like what freedom looks like, what are you unlearning and unraveling from and like shifting in order to become more free? Cause I know that, you know, we've talked a lot about like unlearning and like deprogramming mm-hmm. and decolonization and all these different things. And I really want to know like for yourself, what that looks like, like how are you unraveling and unlearning and what are mm. you unlearning? If you want to share. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a huge question. Um, uh- <laughs> I feel like I'm unlearning a lot. Um, Perfectionism has been one of the things that I have been unlearning, I feel like over the past year. Um, And really how I'm doing that is just giving myself so much grace, um, trying to not always succeeding, not always perfect in that it's a learning process, but telling myself that it's okay. It's okay if I don't have everything perfect, everything right, the world will not stop. I can keep, as long as I'm moving forward, I'm okay. And things don't have to look perfect Um, because often we're doing that for other people to validate that it looks perfect. It's like, if I'm okay with how it looks and how it came out, um, then that's fine. So yeah, I'm learning perfectionism, Um, materialism. I'm learning materialism has been a big thing, especially moving outside of the US and having our stuff in storage, we have a lot less that we're traveling with. Um, so I'm learning materialism that no, I don't need a closet full of clothes. I don't need all of these things. Like I can live with minimal things. So almost like journaling, journey into minimalism um, at this point. Um, yeah, I'm learning the impacts of colonization, which is huge global issue um, and how I mean, colonization has impacted every every aspect of life, um, so much of our mental health, and that's something I'm interested in exploring more about. 
um, how it has impacted our mental health, how it has often told us that we have to be in colonial servitude. Shout out to Dra. Rocio, um, who used that term, but it really has put us into a position where we think that we have to serve other people and that we don't have agency. Um, so that has been important. Yeah. So those are those are the main things I'm learning. But like I said, I'm learning a lot these days. That as well. It was funny when you were talking about perfectionism. You also said, "Yeah, I'm not perfect. It's not you know, <laughs> I'm not perfect at it." And I was like, "That's that's actually ironic. It's funny, but it's true. Like even even with healing." Like there, mm-hmm. with yeah. healing, we're so rough with ourselves. We, we think oh, yeah. healing has to look a specific way. Yeah. And it's like healing is messy. Like healing mm-hmm. is all over the place. And, mm-hmm. and when we're so worried about the outward appearance of it, we kind of miss the healing. Because even in those ugly, using your quotes, yeah. ugly spots, those rough spots, right? Mm-hmm. Like in those rough spots is where you actually find the release and the healing. But you have to get yeah. messy first. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yep. so even if, and I know, and I like what you said, like, if, as long as I'm moving forward, I would even argue, like, as long as you're like with yourself, right, as long yeah. as you're, you're present in the moment, right, because yeah. sometimes it's not a time to move forward. Sometimes it's not even a time to like, mm-hmm. sometimes you go backwards or it feels like you're going backwards. That's true. Right, you're really going forward. Yes, <laughs> you know? that is very true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this idea of like progression or progress, I think even learned here in the West, like, oh, we it's all about progress and growth and you know, becoming yeah. more, that can become yeah. a thing too, like That's a stronghold, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it not working? Oh, okay. I thought I was. Oh, yes. Uh, skipping. You were okay, frozen for a little bit, but yeah. Mm-hmm. My bad. Hello, everybody. <laughs> okay. Um, Lavendula says, earlier today, I heard someone in a video say perfectionism never made me perfect. Ooh. Ooh. That is so true. Ooh. Yes. Drag us. And yes. <laughs> if anything, perfectionism made me anxious. I was going to say stressed. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Lavendula says, yes, the irony. Yes. <laughs> um, let's talk about it with Mara says, in thinking there's a time period to heal. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There is no time period. Take yep. your time, y'all or me. That's funny. It's okay. <laughs> I'm with you, Mara. I'm with you, Mara. Yeah, like this, there have been times where I felt like I wish I was healed already, right? Mm -hmm. And like you're you're removing yourself from the moment, but also like be gentle with yourself. Healing takes time. It does. Okay. All right, I'm back now. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. We on this, we trying. We out the States. (laughs) We're trying here. Okay. A villainous crone says, materialism is something I recently had to examine too. I honestly was forcing myself to like labels. In all actuality, I can wear anything and be comfortable and grateful. I just need to be me. Period. True. Yep. Period. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Keegan Keep Going says, allowing truths to bubble up takes time and it is chaotic. Yes. It's chaotic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it is. When you think about bubbles, right? Like bubbles, when you're boiling something, for example, like the bubbles are everywhere, right? It's, yes. it's but it's still, yeah. Yeah. I love that imagery. Thank you, Keegan. Um, let's see. Spaghetti Max says, I love that name. <laughs> I'm, I'm also <laughs> working on perfectionism. Um, I give myself permission to try and it doesn't have to be perfect to matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. True. I give myself the chance to try. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, I do want to ask you, mm-hmm. as we start to start to wrap up, I do want to ask you, what are new dreams that you have for yourself? What are like new visions and what are things that you see for yourself now? 
Oh, wow. Um, so I think leaning more into the business that I started, Free Black Women Virtual Solutions, um, transitioning into maybe like online business management for Black women entrepreneurs, um, and continuing education, resource sharing um, with other aspiring digital entrepreneurs. I feel like the world of digital entrepreneurship just opened so many possibilities that a lot of us are still not aware of because it feels inaccessible. Um, but there are tools um, that are free to use that you can literally start a business in like a weekend if you wanted to. Um, and there are other you know, groups of people who have been utilizing these um, to get location, time, freedom, all of these things, but it's felt kind of off limits to us I feel like, um, and we're still taught like that we have, like it has to look a certain type of way, like the old model of entrepreneurship when it doesn't. The internet has opened up so many possibilities that your business can look like whatever you want it to look like. Um, so I'd love to continue to put that message forward um, that there are zero very low startup costs with digital entrepreneurship, um, which I always have to put out there because lack of capital uh, when starting a business is such a huge barrier that specifically Black women entrepreneurs face, uh, but digital entrepreneurship has eliminated that barrier. Um, so I'd love to continue educating people about digital entrepreneurship, assisting Black women entrepreneurs, um, leaning into like having things on mental health and the links with colonization and enslavement. Um, but yeah, I would love to do all of those things. I love it. I love it. You look like you have such joy speaking about it. So I oh, love do I? Thank yes. you. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, I do want to read a villainous crone's um, comment. I'm mm. currently living with my elderly mom, and I'm so grateful for her company. COVID hit us. COVID hit, and us living together literally mm. saved my life. Our love for one oh. another has grown. Her advice has helped me too. And thank mm -hmm. you for sharing this, a villainous crown. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I do, I do want to touch on quickly this idea of uh, when we're talking about what's normalized here is in like uh, being independent, using air quotes, independent, mm -hmm. like oh, being yeah. an independent person, um, mm -hmm. being very individualized, like focusing on self. Yes. Um, and Anna, we have we have talked a little bit about this, like this idea of being mm -hmm. hyper independent. You've talked about it on your channel. How are you, number one, like, how did you realize that in, hyper-independence was harmful to you? And how are you working to un, undo that, to come out of that hyper-independence? Oh, how did I realize it was harmful? I think just the pressure um, and the mental health consequences of taking on all of this um, by ourselves, um, because we're not meant to do life alone. And this message that we're taught that it, we have to do it by ourselves to count, no. That's false. Like that plays right into the oppressor's hands because if we are taking on this all by ourselves, a lot of it isn't sustainable. So we stop doing it versus doing it in community with other people who are interested in what you're interested in. It takes the pressure off of you to have everything, again, perfect um, and to be the authority in everything, going back to like what colonization has told us that we have to bow down to people who are in authority when really you're just another human being. I don't have to listen to you if I don't resonate with your message. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think I lost the question there, I'm sorry. No, no, 
it's all good. It's all good. Okay. I guess I guess the, the follow up to that question is mm-hmm. how are you like what work are you doing to unlearn that for yourself or putting it into practice? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think seeking out other people who are interested in what I'm doing, collaborating. Um, so Marissa, MNT the artist and I um, in Lavendula um, have a event coming up, Art and Affirmations next Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, and this is a creative play day for Black women. So it'll be filled with an affirmation session. I'm creating a digital guided workbook. MNT the artist, she is creating a digital art piece and she will be painting live. So, um, and Lavendula will be reading her book, excerpts from her book, The Box. Um, so yeah, collaborating, seeking out, intentionally seeking out other people who are interested in what I'm interested in and asking about collaborating, kind of being shameless about that. Like, no, I'm not, I don't want to do this by myself because it feels heavy. It feels hard. Um, but being able to bounce ideas back and forth with other people who are interested in what I'm interested in and taking that pressure off of it, everything has to be on me. A lot of that plays into ego too. So it's like, no, it doesn't always have to be what I'm doing. It's like, it's a shared effort between everyone. Um, so yeah, and that also plays back into, again, on learning what we've been taught with colonization, so. I love that. And as a fellow, like, I'm healing from hyper-independence, as we talked about, yeah. like, mm-hmm. this, there, there are a lot of things at play, like this messaging that we get about mm-hmm. being, we're almost celebrated for being hyper-independent. The, per, the person yes. who is usually celebrated is the most exhausted, the most stressed out, the more worn out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we measure our worth and our value based on how exhausted or tired or stretched thin we are, right? Mm-hmm. It's like this, yeah. this idea of, oh, if I don't do it, like you're talking about the ego, if I don't do it all by myself, it don't count. Or if I mm-hmm. need help, it's an yeah. issue. Um, yeah. So I know for myself, I'm, I'm still unlearning that. And I'm still unpacking it because the reasons I realize are pretty deep, right? This, mm-hmm. again, that yeah. being celebrated for like overcoming the odds and like defeating, you know, oh, the giants. Yes. It's mm-hmm. like, why can't I be celebrated for doing things the easy way? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like why, mm-hmm. why can't me and my homegirls all be celebrated for sharing space with each other and working together? Mm-hmm. Um, and like also like this, what has been taught in, again, my experience in schooling specifically, especially as like a black oh, woman yeah. and being the only black woman in a lot of my classes, there was yes. like, the work was riding on me. Like I mm-hmm. had to do the work for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so, mm-hmm. because I had been burned by those people, I had been closed off from, I'm just doing it by myself because other people are gonna let me down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I yeah. forget it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it alone. If, I, if it needs to get done, like I'm gonna do it myself because I'm not gonna let myself down, right? But mm-hmm. then I do let myself down because I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed out, yeah. I'm, you know, getting across the finish line all broken and battered and bruised when I could have asked for help. But I just have to ask the right people for the help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like for people, I do want to ask you this. I know we're I said like we're gonna close and like <laughs> whatever. But for people, and I want to respect your time too. So if you gotta go, let me know. But for people who are looking for community, like for looking for space safe spaces to ask for help, like what would be your advice to them if they're saying, like, yeah, everywhere I've gone, I haven't been able to trust people, mm. where should I look? That's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also um, want to say that those, this is real. So it's not just all in your head that you have to do everything by yourself. No, this often comes from you asking for help, someone shaming you for asking for help, um, or telling you, like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do it yourself? So these, these come from real interactions that we have in life that stick with us. Um, but what would I say? I think just like the online world for me has been so pivotal. 
um, in finding communities that are interested in the same things that I'm interested in, um, that are supportive, um, and seeking out people who have similar values to you, I think is important. Because that's not always the people that you live with or live around. Sometimes you have to seek those communities out, seek those spaces out, um, and then build authentic connections, whatever that looks like for you. Um, whether that's asking someone to collaborate that you see is working on something similar to you, um, asking them if you can like chat about what they're doing, if they're open to that, um, and just building those authentic ties with people, um, I think is helpful to start to establish those supportive communities, because I know that that is extremely difficult in this world to find people <laughs> who do want to support you sometimes. I love I love that you said that not everybody that you're around physically, like whether it be your family or friends, they might not be mm -hmm. the people for you for specific things, right? Like maybe they're the person for this, right? Yeah. But specifically, sometimes you do have to come out of your immediate community to find mm -hmm. what you really need. And though that can be exhausting and if you don't have the capacity for it, I understand. But sometimes what you need is right on the other side of that ask of that, hey, yeah of that connecting mm -hmm. with that leaving a comment, right? Like that, the simple, the simple connection, yeah. um, like the simple step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of allowing yourself to dream of the possibilities that could exist if you do put yourself out there, because oftentimes we've been burned in the past when we've reached out. Um, but the past doesn't always define the future. Like someone, you may find someone who is ready and willing to support you. Um, if you do, if you do ask. I love that. I, I love that. Cause I think, Oftentimes we default to like, oh, no one wants to help me. And it's like, no, the right people want to help you. But they, mm -hmm. some people don't know how they can right. help you. Like, it's like, what is the ask? Making yourself vulnerable enough. Because it, it takes strength to be vulnerable enough it to does. say, I need help specifically with this. It does. Can you, yeah. will you, do you have the capacity to? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, because you're, yes. you're literally like bearing your soul yes. to someone. You're like, mm -hmm. you know, see yeah seeing it as weakness as using air quotes it's not weakness by the way but we've been taught that it is weakness to ask for help and so we're yeah. less likely to like i don't want to look weak i don't want to look frail i don't want to look like i don't know what i'm doing um mm -hmm. you know all these kinds of things but like seriously don't suffer in silence mm -hmm. women are especially black women like we're out here people are out here waiting to support mm -hmm. you waiting to see you waiting to hear from you you know yes. and don't silence your own voice because you Um, I'm stuck again. Okay. You have everything to offer us. <laughs> so don't, okay. don't think, yeah. don't think that what mm -hmm. you have to offer isn't enough. It is. Yeah. That's, it's always that's, been enough. Hey, that's the core of it a lot. Thinking that if we do put our stuff out there, put our ideas out there, that it's not enough, that we're not enough. It's like, no, you are just as you are. Always enough. Yeah. Always enough. Yay. Okay. Let's see. See some last few comments and then we'll start wrapping it up um okay. learning to live says um just learn this year to ask the right people oh yeah that part is super yes it is it's super it important is. yes yep. yolo xoxo says i feel like i'm releasing so much energy oh. by listening to this hey <laughs> yes it's like a healing in and of itself that's beautiful mm. that makes me happy and marissa you've been sharing gems okay gems. Oh, so thank, thank you. you seriously <laughs> is right but who are my right people uh oh 
Okay. Daniela Elevate says, right. But who are my right people? I'd love to create my own community. Yes. Yes. Some, and that's, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. If, if, yes, please. We, we need these communities. Yes. If you don't see what you need, sometimes you, you might need to create it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and again, you don't have to come from like, I know everything. I'm the authority figure, right? Make mm-hmm. it easy for yourself. Like for anything. Hey, I love baking. Y'all want to bake together on Wednesday mm-hmm. nights? Yeah. Whatever. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> on mm-hmm. Zoom. Like it could be that simple. Um, building community around what you need. Um, the people yeah. that you need. And, and like attracts like, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Absolutely. And I feel like we often feel like if someone else, if we see someone else doing something, then we can't do it too. Um, But again, going into abundance, there are an abundance of ideas and none of us have the same ideas. So if you execute an idea in one way, even though you're inspired by someone, it's not going to turn out the same way. Um, So there are so many avenues to go and I would love for you to start your own community, please. Yes, we need more. Yes, please, please Mm -hmm. do, please do. And I, and I love that because like, like your example, you're saying if you give everybody the same ingredients mm-hmm. and don't give them the instructions, they're all going to come out with something different, right? Yes. Like all the meals are going to be, it's going to be the same ingredients, but it's all going to be different. Somebody might make a quiche. Somebody might make a, I don't know, an omelet or something. I'm done trying to make yeah. easy things. But either way, like, even though we all have the same stuff and even the ideas sound the same, it's all going to be different because you're different. Yes. You're your own person. Yep. You're your own 100%. person. Michelle says, Michelle Hardy Org says, I just purchased the box. It's deep. Yay. So if you all didn't know, Mm -hmm. yes. Lavendula, who is here, a friend of the channel, Lavendula, she has written a book called The Box. And if I tried to look it up the last time and it was giving me trouble, but if I can't find it, I will put it in the description of this video Mm -hmm. um, because it's an amazing book. It is. Yes. It really is. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So. So yes, yeah, so as you are wanting to show up and serve black women, what what are the dreams that you have? Like what are the dreams that you see for yourself in this offering, in this membership? Like how do what do you see? What is the vision that you have for the black mm-hmm. women that join you? I think just like a supportive community, um, starting from the launch phase um, into growing a flourishing business that also feels good. It doesn't feel because I'm anti-hustle culture. Like, um, that's not how I'm doing business. Um, that's not how, hopefully I'm sharing resources and tools with entrepreneurship. Like, no, it has to feel good first in order to be sustainable. Um, and we want it to be sustainable because that's the key to our achieving like location, time freedom a lot is building sustainable businesses um, and businesses that help other people if that's what you want too. Um, So I would love to have like a flourishing entrepreneurship community where we share resources, share knowledge, things that have worked, things that didn't work um, and supporting each other on what can be a very stressful journey of entrepreneurship, especially if you're pivoting from the nine to five world um, and you're leaving a toxic job and you're trying to heal while building a business. So supportive online community for black women digital entrepreneurs so we can grow flourishing feel good businesses i love that because building a business doesn't have to cost you your soul right doesn't have to cost you your happiness (laughs) like it doesn't it doesn't um and and one thing to that i do want to say i love what you're doing because i think even for myself i'm redefining what work looks like like Mm -hmm. redefining what work looks like for myself 
like it's not a one size like for me i like dancing before i have talks because it gives my energy out it helps me get pumped up <laughs> yeah. right like and that's a part of the process i like going out in nature i like working in nature because like i feel calm i feel present and no mm -hmm. it's not an office or it's not you know at the computer but all of that is a part of my work right yeah. so relearning re that and redefining it really allows me to be all of myself. And I love that you're showing women how to be all themselves mm -hmm. even within their business, like yeah. no compromise. Yeah. 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 I love that. So shout out to you. I love that. So no. I'm so excited. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. And for love black women, this idea that I have, like talking to black women, interviewing them, sharing their story. I do want to ask you two questions. So the first one is, what is the story that you want to leave behind? What is the message that you want to leave behind? Not just like passing away, but when you're leaving a place. Okay. <laughs> when I was like, oh, place. okay. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> we're not there yet. No, no. But when you're leaving a place, like what mm -hmm. is the message of your life that you want to leave behind with every hmm. interaction that you have? Hmm. Making people feel seen and heard, I think is very important to me. Um, and feeling that they're enough. I always wanna leave every interaction um, with that feeling and making other people feel that way, hopefully when they're in my presence that I appreciate you for who you are. And I see that, I see your gifts because that's something that I know that I struggle with within myself. So I always want to tell people, no, you're gifted. I see your gifts, I recognize them. Um, and you're enough. You're enough. I love that. I love that. And um, yeah, much like you, like this, I want people to feel what I didn't feel. Yes. Like that's, mm -hmm. yeah, that has been like a guiding post for me for a lot of my life, for everything, for a lot of things that I do. You know, like I want, I want specifically, I always say that I want black women to forget I want black women to remember what they forgot, that they matter, that they love, that they're enough, that they're valued, mm -hmm. they're beautiful, like all the things that this world kind of rips from us and tells us yeah, and all the messaging that we're not enough because I didn't have enough of that growing up. I didn't mm -hmm. have enough of that, you know? Yeah. And I love that. I love that you're using that and metabolizing that into something beautiful for other people mm -hmm. as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the second thing I want to ask you is what is a love note? Like, so a love note, just something nice, kind, something you want to leave with black women watching this or hearing this, um, what is something lovely that you want to say to them? It can be about anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe you have agency. You have agency in any situation that you're in um, and you have the ability to pivot if something's not working for you. Um, and no, that doesn't make you difficult, unprofessional, whatever labels they try to throw at us. Self-preservation is your right. I love that. Self-preservation is your right. I love that. I love that. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so while we are on our way out, please share again, all the things for those of you who may have just came in. Um, but yes, please share all the things that you are doing, all your offerings, all your work, where they can find you. Please share all the stuff and I'll share the links in the chat and in the description. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where you can find me, um, YouTube, um, M price MSW for master of social work. Um, also on Instagram, mpricemsw. Um, my website is mpricemsw.com. You can email me, hello at mpricemsw. Um, I started a community called Free Black Women Virtual Business Community, bringing together current and inspiring Black women digital entrepreneurs 
to learn about digital tools that exist to start online businesses um, in pursuit of freedom, time freedom, location freedom, um, freedom from toxic jobs. And what else? Oh yeah, Art and Affirmations, the event that I'm collaborating with um, MNT the Artist and Lavendula on next Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Creative play date for Black women. If you want to bring your poster board, paint supplies, crayons, coloring books, microphones, whatever method you use for creative expression, um, we will be having an interactive affirmation session and MNT the artist will be doing a live painting that we'll get to watch. So that'll be pretty cool. And yeah, that is next Saturday if you'd like to attend. And I think that's, I think that's it. That's awesome. So I have, I tried to keep up with you. So I put the links, oh, okay. <laughs> the links in the chat. No, no. <laughs> so I put the links in the chat. Y'all please check out Marissa and her channel and the work that she's doing, the collaborations that she's doing. Um, her event on the 26th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, yeah, yeah. And thank you, Marissa, for being here, for sharing your heart yeah. with us, for being so kind and vulnerable, for sparing your time, um, for sharing with us. Um, this has been inspiring and encouraging to me. Like yeah, there's a lot that you've said too. that I'm going to sit and like, Oh, that makes me happy. Okay, yay. Yeah. <laughs> makes yes, me, happy. me too. Yay, that's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And this really makes me happy because it really shows what is possible with collaboration, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's like speaking your story, the power of owning your story and sharing what is what is happening, even if you don't think it's perfect, it's still inspirational. I'm looking at the chat and looking at what people are saying and it's just like, hmm. you've already made such an impact. So I appreciate you. Oh. I appreciate you coming here. Thank Seriously. You seriously yay so thank this you for your amazing. time thank you yay! <laughs> you're here. And yes please go follow marissa and everything she's doing y'all anything else you want to say as we as we close out no pressure no that's okay. it thank y'all so much for the chat i'm gonna go back and read it so yes, yes. yes. <laughs> right. bye everybody have bye. a good evening <laughs> thank you for being here yay